0: Your good works won't make God love you anymore. Joining a church don't make God love you anymore. The perfect love of God was demonstrated at Calvary. And nothing that you and I could ever do to show how much he appreciates you and I. I thank God for salvation. I thank God for what he's done for us. Uh, in 2 Timothy tonight, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Give you a little thought tonight and try to get you home before 9.30. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 22 says, Flee also you for lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolishness and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they are they do gender strifes, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will give them re- repentance to the knowledge of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken back by him at his will? I want to take on that in verse twenty-six. That uh, that phrase that they may recover. Let us pray, Father. We just thank you tonight, Lord. Pray, Lord, that you'll be with us, lift us up, encourage us, and Father, we just give you all the glory in Jesus' name. We do pray, Amen. Paul is writing uh, uh, to this young preacher Timothy, and he's one uh, he was left behind to pre- uh, pastor of the church at Ephesus. And he had three sons of the faith that Paul, uh, that stood with Paul and uh, that he loved them. And Titus, one he sent to a, to a little island uh, to a pastor a hard group of people. And the other one was that Onassis uh, was a runaway slave. And the third one was Timothy, which whom I believe Paul really loved. And I think Paul had a sweet spot in his heart for him. Paul begins to write to Timothy in chapter 2 and he lets Timothy know that there are certain types of people that you're going to have to deal with in the ministry, Timothy. You're going to have to face these people in the ministry. Paul tells Timothy, you will deal with committed people. There will be committed people that God will put in your path. In verse 2 it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among me, many witnesses, the same committed thou to the faithful men who shall be able to teach also others also. Can I say it? I'm glad that we have uh, everybody in church ain't bad. I- I'm glad that everybody in the church ain't out to get you. I'm glad that uh, everybody in the church is not trying to find a place or uh, trying to get out of place or trying to find anything. There are a lot of committed people in the church tonight. I, I appreciate committed people. The ones that say, I'm here no matter what. And you're not here for a pat on the back. You're not here to be lifted up. But you're committed to God and serve God and, and love God. You do it because you do love God. We've raised a generation of pastors and preachers that are trying to get committed people to themselves instead of unto God. And the problem with that is when the preacher goes, and when the preacher leaves, so does the congregation. They go and leave. But when you get somebody that's dedicated and committed themselves unto the Lord, you got people who want to serve God. Paul said you're going to have some committed people in your ministry, Timothy. But Paul also said you're going to have some cancerous people. Verse 16, but shun profane and vain babbling for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their words will eat as do Doeth a canker of whom is Hamias and Philebus, who's concerning the truth have erred. There are some people in the church that I believe that the devil has planted in the church. They're not there to be constructive. They're not there to help. They're not there to help to lift up things. They're not to help the body of Christ. But they're there, and the only reason why they're there is to tear down what God is doing and what God is trying to do in the church. Let me just say this. Everybody that carries a King James Bible, everybody that wears a suit and tie, everybody that puts on a dress, is not of God sitting in a church. And they're not good for the church today. And you know how they spread their cancerous ways they do it through words in verse 17 one of the dangerous things that people can do in a church is run their mouth amen not just a little but they run the mouth a bit too much be careful what you say be careful what you say to each other Be careful what you post on Facebook. Be careful what you say on Twitter. Amen. I still don't know how to get on Twitter, but I'm looking for a way to get on there so I can see what y'all posting on there about me. I don't know how to get on Twitter. So be careful what you say because your words do destroy good works of God. Paul said you're going to deal with people that are committed and I love being around people that are committed to God. I love being around people that are committed to build up and edify the church and God and each other. But he's also said there's going to be people that you're going to have to deal with in the church that are there to absolutely to destroy the church. Then he said you're going to have to deal with those that are captive. In verse 25... There will be captive people that he said to preach to. They will have to, you will have to instruct them, Paul, Timothy. You'll have to preach to them. You'll have to minister to them on a regular basis. The Bible said in verse 26, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. I do not believe the people in verse 25 and verse 26 are lost people. When you study the scriptures, these captive people are saved people. And what a tragedy for a soul of a child of God that is washed in the blood and going to heaven and their life produces absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God. how terrible it is to watch some of God's people live in captivity day in, day out. They live in captivity of heartaches. They live in captivity of some strongholds in their life. And they just can't seem to get rid of it. I've seen good church members. I've seen preachers. They've gotten into the snares of the devil. Their lives are washed up on shores of shipwrecked. And their ministries have fallen apart. And they can't look back. Somewhere in their life they've been washed up. They've been caught up in the snares of the devil. They've been taken captive by what the devil has put in front of them. And the thing about it, if you talk to the people that's been like that, they would tell you, I never saw it coming. I never dreamed that that would ever happen to me. I I, I read this synopsis and I read this uh, uh, statistics. You would not believe how many church members, how many preachers that are addicted to prescription drugs. I, it was an amazing. It, it just astonished me that that many people of the church world, and, and you have to understand, this does include people who say they are saved and those who say they are serving God who don't. But that's an alarming number of 79% of the people in the Christian world are addicted, uh, addicted to drugs. I find it also amazing that 63% of the pastors are addicted to pornography. The snares that the devil puts out there, and we grab a hold of, it and we don't think it's bad. Uh, prescription drugs, we don't think it's bad. What you do in your dark at night, behind sitting behind a, a, a monitor and a keyboard, you don't. Nobody sees this. I'm all right, but nobody sees. It. But let me remind you: whatever you do, God sees. They're hooked on the wrong kind of things. I read this story. I thought it was amazing. And a lot of people can tell you the history of other countries, but they can't tell you the history of our own country. May 19th, 19, 1836, they just, the, the Alamo has just been defeated and they, uh, Texas has just gotten their independence and they was going good. And Texas start giving land, free land, just go and get the land you're doing to. There was a group of people that went and they wanted to get that dream. They wanted a piece of the pie. They, they wanted that free land. And, and what they did, they went further than anyone else. In fact, in this day time, they were about 100 miles south of what now is Dallas. That puts them about where I've been. I've been there. But they were warned by those who live there don't go there. In fact, they were even won by Sam Houston who had just fought the battles there and says you don't go there. There's a reason why you don't go there. And what had happened, they had gotten so far away from them, they got into this place and they quickly, hastily built them a, a shelter, built them a little fort and, and they got into it. there they were, they had it. And what the problem is, they were right, right smack down in the middle of Comanche territory. One of the roofless bunch of Indians you could find was Comanches. One of the ladies that was in this group, and there was about 60 of them, that was called the Parkers, and they called it, if you want to read up on it, it's called the Massacre of, or Massacre of Fort Parker. They had built this fort, they had done all these things, they got to it, and, and one of the ladies said uh, that she looked out in the fields, and it was empty, and she turned away and looked back in, she says, I saw more Indians than you can possibly imagine. But it was, it was strange, she said, these Indians were standing outside this fort walls, and one of them came up with a white flag. The senior parker. So, well, I don't know if they know what the white flags mean, but we know what the white flag means. Hey, we come in peace. And what he did, he opened the gates of the fort. He walked out. And, of course, the Indians just knew. The Indians had learned, hey, you raise a white flag. That means don't shoot at me. And they massacred. They attacked. They destroyed. And, and they finally realized what was going on and, and several of them tried to run out the back gate there and they, the children was grabbing, the, the mothers were driving, the, children, the, the men was trying to hold them off as much as they can, uh, but they left, but it scattered them. It scattered them way out there. And right off the bat, five, the senior Parker of the family was killed. Five of them were, took captive. Several made it away. Several got out of the way, and one wrote the story and explained and told what had happened. I got to think about it as I was reading that story. There are enemies in this world. The Bible says the 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 uh, our enemy. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be be your because your adversary. The devil is a roaring lion. He walking about seeking whom he may devour. We have an enemy that's out to destroy us. You, you better watch today what you do. doing. The enemy is out there. His name is the devil. It's not Comanches. It's not anything else. We know the devil is our enemy. And he's out to wipe you out. He's out to destroy you. He's out to destroy the church. He wants to tear down everything that God is trying to do. And the enemy wants to get rid of it. And as I read that story on the Parkers, I got to looking at him. I said, man, Lord, there's, there's something in this story that we could use today to help us. And the reason all this happened to them, the reason why they got to where they was at, the reason that these things happened to them is because of three things. First thing, they, they lived on the edge. It it said they were literally on the tip of the spear. They went farther than anybody else went. No one else had been that far. Nobody lived out that far. They were away from help. They were away from other people. There were no other settlements around them. There's not other groups around them. There was no one that can come to their aid in time of need. They were warned. Do not go that far. Do not get out of this that far. But they ignored the warnings from those who lived there, those who realized, those who know what was going on. They ignored those warnings and went further than anybody else. I imagine they got to thinking that a lot of Christian people today says, that's not going to happen to me. That won't happen to me it might have happened to somebody else it might have happened to other people you've heard about it but that's not going to happen to me the problem with Christian people today they're living on the edge of their spiritual life people want to push to the limits with their dress code push the limits with, with their music. They want to push the limits of what you can do, uh, have a social drink cannot. not. They're pushing the edge uh, if you can live long enough on that, if you can stay here long enough on that. But let me just say this, the more you push to the end, the more you get to the edge, there's a chance of you falling off. People have gotten used to living on the edge today. Christian people have gotten used on living on the edges. In fact, the line has become blurred. They don't know whether they're on this side of the line or on that side of the line. They don't know whether they've crossed the line anymore because they live so close to the edge. If you flow with the world and still claim to be a child of God, you are living on the edge. Your life should be different than that of the world. Just just surre- surrender all that you have to God's Lord. Here it is. Uh, uh, don't become a captive because you're living on the edge. So many of us are living on the edge in certain areas of our life and living on the edge and this or that, uh, and we start to become captive to that, and we don't realize all we got to do is, Lord, I surrender to you. They they lived on the edge and it got them in trouble. Christian people today are living on the edge and it's getting them in trouble. Churches are living on the edge today. It's getting them in trouble. Next thing I saw was they let their guard down. When I read the story I was amazed that the Comanches did not have to burn The gates down. They didn't have to knock the gates down. Rachel Plummer, one of the wrote the synopsis, the one that wrote what happened there, was one of those that made it out of there, the ones that escaped. Like I said, one minute she said the fields were empty, then all of a sudden the fields were full of Indians. But the gates were left open. The gates were open. Living in a hostile country where people want to kill you, people that want to take your hair from you, burn you alive, and it amazes me they're living as far as from reality, they're living from far from hell, and yet they're living there with the gates wide open because the Comanches had a white flag and they were thinking, this is okay. That's what the world does. They make it sound so innocent, so good. We have let our guards down. We're just walking around in this world of danger. We act like nothing out there can hurt us. Nothing can come against us. Let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff out there that will hurt you. She said when the Comanche came, they had the white flag. They didn't come up with war paint on them. They didn't come wanting the spears the sword. They didn't come out there. They came, when they came there, they came knowing what they were going to do. They said, look at the white flag. They were innocent. They, they were, they're not here to hurt us. But they learned real quick. They had let the guards down. We, we've let our guards down over the years in the Christian community. And, I, and I've seen this years back. Samson got a bad rap. Even though Samson got a bad rap, that boy made it into Hall of Fame. Amen. But he was not the smartest of men. He laid his head in Old Delilah, and old Delilah stroke. He said, Hey, honey, baby. Hey, sugar. Tell me what your power is. He'd tell her something, and she'd jump up and go tell the Philistines they come in there and bound him up. He breaks the bounds, runs them off. Well, three times here she does this she does this the samson three times he lays his head in the lap oh doll, ain't that just like a woman ain't that- amen she laid, she, she come out there and she laid, oh, the Bible said she cried, you, you, you're not telling me. And, and finally she wore him down, and this time she said, my powers and my hair has never been cut. And she, he lays her head, you know what, it wouldn't have took me one or two times, I think, that I figured out that she's trying to get rid of me. But yet he keeps going back. He gets a bad rap, but he made it into the Hall of Fame. So many of God's people are flirting with disaster. You've been warned. And finally, it hits the skids. Finally, you've lived and you've flirted with disaster. you lived on the edge for so long, and then when it hits, you wonder what happened. How did I get to where I'm at today? We need to wake up. Trained boxers are always taught from the very beginning, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Because if you don't keep your hands up, guess what? You're going to get hit. It's your guard. Your hands are your guards. You drop your guard. You're going to get hit. You're trained. And every time you see one of them at the training, you always hear the the trainer say, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. We need to start keeping our hands up. Because the enemy is out to attack us. We've let our guard down. They were led out of a place of safety. The, Indian didn't ha- the Indians didn't have to come inside of the fort to kill people. John Parker, the elder, I said, just walked right out where they were at. He left the place of safety. The, the place, they built the fort to a dangerous place outside. Can I say this? We have a place of safety tonight for God's people. You want to keep your family safe? You want to keep them in the church. Keep them around some of that old-fashioned preaching. Keep them around some of that Holy Ghost worship. Keep them where the preacher will always tell you the truth. There are those that have been taken captive. They've been living on the edge. They've let their guard down. And they've been led out of the place of safety. Now they were there where they're at and they've been taken captive. You might know someone has been taken captive. You might know somebody fits this bill. So, what do you do when you're taken captive? We can't leave them out there. In fact, the story of the massacre of Fort Parker, a movie was made about it years ago. I don't know if anybody knows, anybody heard of John Wayne? John Wayne. Back in the years before I was born, he was a real popular man. He made a movie, if you don't believe it, he made a movie called The Searchers. And that movie was based on Fort Parker, the massacre of Fort Parker. That was and what happened is he, 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 his niece got captive, and he, he, he went to find her. In the movie, we don't leave them in captivity. We search them out. We find them. We got to help them to recover themselves. That word recover here means to wake up, come to yourself, get a grip on life. I've heard time and time again, I don't see anything wrong with this. Boy, they see a lot of things wrong with it today, don't it? Verse 25, who are taken by him at his will. About his will, the devil. Now, now that, people are confused about that. That does not mean the devil just come right, walk up to you and take you captive. This verse means that the devil has a will for your life. Just as Jesus Christ has a will for your life. God's will wants you to uh, uh, get in the, with God. But the devil wants you to uh, live for him. And he'll do whatever he can do to get his will into your life. I find that a lot of people that are living in captivity, they have to want to get out of it. Too many people are just happy where they're at. Through fighting, now there are POWs, now there are captives of the devil. You've got to want to get out. And I find a lot of Christians are happy where they You've got to get out at any measure, take any measure necessary to get out from being a captive. And that necessary to get become a captive, you're either going to have to give up some friends, give up that drink you like or those drugs you like, that program you like watching. And say, God, I am willing to give it all to you. You got to say, Lord, I'm willing to surrender to you. I don't want to be a captive anymore. You got to look for help. You can't get out by yourself. In verse 25, it says, "If God, it recovery always begins with God." It doesn't start when you say, well, I think happy thoughts. I'm thinking everything's going to be all right. It doesn't start when you say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to change my mind on some things. No. It starts when you and God get together. You can't get out yourself. There's an impossible feat. You cannot get out of captivity. You are in a spiritual trap, and only God can get you out of that. You're not strong enough get it yourself out of a spiritual trap God has to get you out and he wants to get you out James Parker escaped two of his children was taken captive and three of his nieces and nephews were taken captive this is where the movie Searchers come in for 20 years, James Parker searched, spent his life, spent his inheritance, spent his fortune, time, everything, looking for his kids, his nephew, and nieces. He, 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 didn't, he, he surrendered all and said, Lord, I need to find them. Everything, he spent everything he had to find them. And by the time James Parker died, he had found all five of those. He, he said, you know, they, they cannot get out by themselves. They were taken captive as children. They can't get out themselves. I am willing to spend everything I got to get them out of captivity. Let me say this. Is there anyone that you know that's living in captivity? Anybody you know right now that, hey, they're not getting out of captivity. They're, they, they're, something has got a hold of them. They're sitting in a stronghold. The devil has, has blinded them. As somebody you know that's living in captivity, what are you doing to help them? Are you searching for them or are you just walking by and let them walk on? Many of us know people tonight that are living in captivity. They're living in captivity. What are we doing? What are we doing? Spent everything he had looking. And all we got to do is say, hey, God will help you. Reach your hand out. They haven't been taken by captives, by Indians, but the devil has got them. And the only way they're going to get out, you and I, you and I, reach them.